This is the Tan Talk Radio Network. Hey, listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat, but well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out the great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hey, listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Let me tell you about my company, Gulfstream Motorsports, 727-541-1741. I have over 35 years' experience with classic, vintage sport and racing cars. I do appraisals, consulting, and pre-purchase inspections. Before you buy your next rare classic, the car of your dreams, give me a call at Gulfstream Motorsports, 727-541-1741. Also, due to my 28 years' experience in the auto salvage business, I am very good with wrecks. So if your car has been in a wreck, Call me for a diminished value report. Call me at 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for lost value of your repaired vehicle. That's Gulfstream Motorsports, 727-541-1741. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays, 7 to 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network, AM 
This is Ed Lucas, the MC at Amelia Island Concord Elegance, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And now... Hey, Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Again? Button up my sleeve. Crystal! <laughs> no doubt about it. I gotta get another hat. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers in Google TanTalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfStreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you missed any of our past shows, go to our archive page, Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Good evening, Tommy. Oops. Good evening, Robert. Show number 400, and what is it? I'm not sure. I lost count. I've been actually uh, kind of... Uh, uh, I rely on you to in- relay that info. Yeah, well, 70-something. I'm not sure. I got a bad... 70-something, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's a huge accomplishment. Yeah, let's see. We're get- Well, let's see. In October or November, whenever it is, it should be nine years and six months. So, uh, yeah, what did we do this weekend? Well, this weekend was kind of an interesting, interesting experience. But anyway, we've got a real interesting show for you this evening, this afternoon. And uh, we're going to be talking about some of the other events that are coming up. I must well just go there right now myself. The FLACarshows.com Minute. Okay, of course, if you want to find out where all the car shows are in the state of Florida, definitely check out FLACarshows.com because they've always got information on shows on the east side of Florida, on the west side of Florida, on the north side of Florida, and on the south side of Florida. And if you saw me here in the studios, of course, now we are YouTube and Facebook Live. I got itch. Hang on here. Itch, 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 itch. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so getting kind of used to this. You know, we really were just little humble little radio show guys, and now we're like on camera, so not exactly sure how to respond to that. You know, somebody called, somebody sent me a text says, I need to look to the left. Well, right, your left. And then I need to look to the right. I need to look kind of back and forth. So as if I was on TV, like, really? Okay, whatever. If it makes you happy, keep in mind, this is a radio studio, and I'm sitting here in the radio studio with a little radio mic. I have normally three microphones in here, but I got two bent down over there for the purposes of so you can kind of see us. Now, if you tuned into our show last week, we actually had um, Scott Bose, who's a good friend of mine, from Hollywood Picture Cars out in California. He was sitting in. So when once in a while we have a guest, not too often, depends on whether they're local or not, uh, or if they happen to be just kind of like strolling through Pinellas County, City of Clearwater, something like that. And uh, if we can talk them into coming and sitting in with us in the studio, that'd be kind of cool. We actually have a very special guest coming on, excuse me, (coughs) in uh, November. Uh, With a little luck, we'll have Gary Puckett from the Union Gap. He'll be coming in, sitting in with us. Anyway, so that should be interesting. Uh, we got the Cigar City Concourse coming up here next month in November. Actually, we got quite a few events coming up. We got the Lake Mirror Classic that's coming up, and uh, that's over in Lakeland. And that's an open show, which is actually pretty good. Kind of reminds me of uh, Concourse on the Ave out of Monterey, and uh, where it's you know really cool quality cars. And you've got downtown, you've got uh, a uh, a regular car show with you know you run on the mill street cars, and then down. On the let's say around the lake, Lake Mirror or Mirror Lake, uh, you've got some high-end, very nice quality classics, collectibles, pre-war cars, post-war cars, fifties cars, muscle cars, uh, sports cars, which you know I'm a big fan of that, and uh, so that's a lot of fun, and uh, that's a pretty cool event. Um, SEMA is in November, 
Let's see. You've got uh, the Kobota Yacht Club car show that's coming up. That's also, I believe, in no- November is loaded with car shows. Really, really nice stuff. The Black Horse Car Show, which is at the Black Horse uh, Golf and Country Club up in uh, Citrus County. That is also in November. And then Dunedin Brewery in October. 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 Hey, we got Bobby on the phone by any chance? Here, I should just let Bobby come in. Bobby, how you doing here? Welcome to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. You're our first guest for the Hello. evening. <laughs> Never been here before. <laughs> so give us the uh, Dunedin Brewery report. This is a lot of radio stuff. Oh, yeah. This is live radio, just in case. So. Um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> com. that's the place to go. Uh, whether you're in west, on the west, in west central Florida, whether you're in central Florida, where I'm stuck in traffic, or... Are you stuck in traffic in your car? If you're stuck in traffic anywhere else in uh, Florida. Florida. <laughs> uh, Unless you're in Citrus County, you don't get stuck in traffic. Unless that is true. Well, unless you're like Homo Sassa in 19, then you get stuck in the construction traffic, right? Well, yeah, you do that. But, hey, if you're driving a good old classic, uh, it makes it a little more unbearable. And then uh, you can just pull out your smartphone when you're sitting at a traffic light and go to immobilefriendlyflhosta.com and <laughs> the nearest show to you. Uh, one of those being the October Fest. There at Dunning Brewery, like you mentioned. Uh, you can go to dunningbrewery.com and uh, also find out more about that. Uh, so if you link to their Facebook page, you can see their menu. Uh, you can see all the you know the craft beers of the month and stuff like that. And then uh, but most importantly find out about the car show have some of their great wings, great brews, all that fun stuff. Um, but and we will be getting that event listed on flacrushes.com because us and anyone else out there can list your event on flacrushes.com because it is community based and they have a lovely system of uh, color coding it so that you can tell which events are um, reoccurring and which ones are one time only so you can't miss them and uh, all that fun stuff so. It's really a comprehensive social finding website. <coughs> Super. So how are things in Orlando? Right, just as good as ever. I heard uh, UCF, not that I'm a football fan by any stretch of the imagination, but I heard UCF stomp the crap out of uh, Stanford, one of my favorite yeah, schools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it happens occasionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like a, a, a lot, on occasion, a lot. <laughs> Yeah, on occasion a lot. Well, they're doing good. Yeah. So for all you football fans out there, you know, um, the uh, ones that used to hang out here at the studio, um, you know, they can uh, all root for UCF now, right? Yeah. So much yeah. for the Gators and the Knowles. So, sorry to be coming in the camp a little bit, but now we just got to root the winners up here. <laughs> okay. Well, today, in case anybody's wondering, I am actually dressed like a slob. If you see, I got ripped pants on. See, I tore because today I was out uh, quasi junkyard. Well, no, I'm just not like you're on video or anything. Well, yeah, I, that's why I said, you know, I'm kind of like drugged <laughs> up today. And, you, you know, have a job interview? Do I have a job interview? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, anyway, so if you go to our Facebook page, golfstreammotorsports.com, where you can, again, find out all about us. Uh, you'll see this lovely little 1974 MGB that I dragged out of the 
front yard of somebody in the penniless park this afternoon. And we're going to revive it and put it back on the road. So if somebody wants to buy a 1974 MGB GT like our little Miss Money Penny, we have one. And it's actually not a bad little car. Of course, if you like open cars, I have a 65 MGB Roadster for sale. Matching colors. I think I might ought to advertise these things as his and hers. I think that's what I'm going to do. But anyway, so so much for that. Now, let me just tell you guys kind of what I did over the weekend. On the weekend, I want to say on the weekend, on Saturday, Friday, I was on my way up to Citrus County. And uh, I was going out there to check out some stuff, cars and whatnot. And on the way back, or on my way up there, I was going down 48. 48, you can catch off 75. And, and uh, 48 actually kind of meanders through the woods there a little bit and dumps out at Floral City on 41. And while I was roaming down the road, I noticed an old motorcycle. Didn't think much of it. Then another one. Didn't think much of that one either. Then another one. Because a lot of guys with motorcycles kind of ride around up there. So... The one motorcycle that kind of caught my eye was a guy with a sidecar. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. So I said, I wonder if somebody's with him. There was nobody in there with him. So he kind of passed me. And then as I was going on, I saw a few more motorcycles go by. Then, then, ladies and gentlemen, it occurred to me that it was the Cannonball Motorcycle uh, which is a run, run, a race. But this year they called it the, uh, the uh, hang on a second here. I actually have the website pulled up. And if I can get this computer thing to work here right. Uh, something what, what I called Bobby it was too, called a but, uh, it's a chain you know, what was it called Bobby I well my phone went it. dead so I can't do anything so it's called the uh, cross-country chase and yeah. uh, so the way it works basically and we have a guest coming on this afternoon who was that at the actual participant or one of the many participants including normally Pat- the story. huh don't give away the story, though. Okay, I won't give away the story. But anyway, uh, um, Pat Simmons from, uh, and we're trying to get him on the show. That's he's the lead, um, lead well, one of the lead singers, founding members of uh, Doobie Brothers. He's usually on that run with his wife, Chris. But uh, um, Pat is touring, so his wife was on a tour along with a number of other people. But anyway, so this gentleman uh, broke down. Well, what happened was, is I after the like tenth or eleventh or. 20th or 30th motorcycle went by. I thought, ah, you know what? I'm going to turn around and chase these guys. Maybe, just maybe, they might stop at the interstate and I might be able to talk and catch up with them and mingle a little bit, right? And uh, so as I was following a guy on an old Harley and uh, I, the guy with the sidecar was pulled over. So naturally, me being a bike guy myself, I pulled over and I kind of talked to him for a few minutes. And uh, it turned out that his battery kind of vibrated apart and he needed to find, have somebody go find him a, Six volt battery, but stick around f- later for the rest of the show. That was good. I was gonna say, was like, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 and then we will tell you the whole story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so I think what we're gonna do is we're gonna play a little music here real quick because uh, unfortunately, some more of the rockers decided to go to the big rock star band and Hall of Fame up there in the sky. So uh, this song is you got that thing queued up there. I think we're gonna play a little Cars. This was Tommy's uh, uh, selection here, Drive by the Cars. Rick Ocasek and the guys. Rick yeah, yeah. Hey, you're tuning in to Nostalgic Radio Cars. Don't touch that dial. We'll be, we, 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 we'll be right back. It's too late. Who's gonna tell you things aren't so great? You can't go on. Thinking nothing's wrong 
some money after 911 and 411 call 541 that's 727-541-1741 call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business I'm very good with wrecks so if your car has been involved in a wreck call me for a diminished value report call 727-541-1741 you may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle and visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com Looking for car shows? Then look no further than flacarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, flacarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at flacarshows.com. There we go. Are we are we back? Are we live? Knock 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 knock. Okay, we're back. You tune into Nostalgic Radio Cars. Well, I like that sound of that old bike. Anyway, uh, I did not know this, but the uh, the way the group, but if you go if you Google uh, motorcycle cannonball home, you can find out all about it. Let me see if I can whip it up here myself. And uh, it talks about it. And this year. Well, every year, basically what they do is they kind of pick a, one part of the country to another part of the country. So they might go from, let's just say, the East Coast to the West Coast or North to South or something like that. In this particular case, they started in Michigan and they uh, ended up in uh, the Keys. So that was pretty cool. But what they did on Friday is they stopped in uh, at the new Harley-Davidson dealership in uh, home assassin they basically had lunch there and they hung out for a couple hours so they had a pretty good uh reception unfortunately i didn't know about it otherwise i would have left clearwater a little bit earlier and i would have made a point to be there so that would have been kind of interesting but anyway it's a cool event and we're going to have the gentleman the participant with the sidecar and i think a couple of his buddies we might put them all on speakerphone and we'll uh talk a little bit about the event so that should pretty pretty should be pretty cool Tommy, why don't you go ahead and do this? Why don't you go ahead and fire up the stereo? And uh, let's go ahead and get those guys on the show, because if we're going to have a couple people, we might be talking for a while, so it should be pretty interesting. Oh, by the way, here's a little tribute to Eddie Money and uh, another one rocker that decided to leave a little premature. And uh, this is kind of a cool, cool song. Came out in the late 70s. Fire up the stereo. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. You're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and we've got some exciting guests coming, coming up for you.
something big. That's what we're here for. Now, what exactly do you intend to do here in the United States? Set a land speed record. I'm from New Zealand. Where? Welcome to Hollywood. What is this? It's called from a brandy bottle. He's got no parachute, he's got no brakes. Aren't you scared you'll kill yourself if you crash? No. You know how fast you were going back there? Yeah, about uh. 150, 160 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. Since I was a lad, I've been interested in things that go fast. This is McKeel Haggerty, and you are listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. So get out there and keep driving all those cool cars. Okay, we're back from the Tunits and Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. My new best friend and uh, motorcycle cannonball cross-country chase contender, and I guess he finished too, Eric Dunk. Eric, how you doing, buddy? Great, man. How you doing? Pretty good. So uh, the battery fixed you all up and got you going, right? Yeah, if it wasn't for you, I never would have made it. Uh, well, no, you're you, the other guy. Uh, yeah, we still are ready to go and get the thing. That's true. That's true. That's true. So, uh, but anyway, welcome to Nostalgic Radio Cars. And uh, why don't you share a little uh, background on yourself so people kind of get a little story on you? Well, it's hard to give background on myself since my background is very sketchy. But I've got a couple other guys here that have a better background than me, and they were riding four cylinder Hendersons, and I was just riding an old Musclehead. Oh, okay. Well, no, no. The, your background, basically, you're uh, you know, you were in the Harley Davidson uh, dealership business. Uh, I, was, years. I was a Harley dealer for 29 years. I I was up in uh, northern New York in Watertown area, 
And uh, I sold out in 2014 and moved to Florida and got smart. Not <laughs> smart. Well, you got warm anyway. So I did get warm. <laughs> you did get warm. Well, now you you've you participated in, in the uh, cannonball motorcycle cannonball a number of times. So tell us a little bit about the give us a little history on the motor on the motorcycle cannonball race. Okay, the motorcycle cannonball started in 2010, and in that particular uh, year, they had to have 1915 or older bikes, and we went across the country from uh, Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, which was the birthplace of the Wright brothers, of course, and we, we rode all the way to the Santa Monica Pier, which is about eh, 3,600 miles, I think, on old bikes. And then two years later, we did the, the second Cannonball in 2012, and that one was uh, 1929 and older motorcycles, all brands, models, everything. So what are the rules? What's uh, what's kind of like the game plan? I mean, when you sign up for one of these deals, uh, give us an idea of, let's say, like, um, you know, the day-to-day operations, a budget. Uh, how does it work? Well, on the first, the Cannonballs that I was involved with, they they were pretty primitive. You had to have you know, the proper year bike, and then you brought your own crew or trailer or, or work area to, so each night you could maintain your bike and keep it going for the next day. And it was a, a 17 or 18-day ride, and it was very grueling, very hard to do, very hard on the motorcycles, hard on the people riding them. And then I got out of that because they kept doing it every two years, and uh, 18 was the last year they did the Cannonball. And then this year they came up with this thing called the Chase, which was a shorter ride from Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, way up in the northern part of the United States to the most southern part of the United States in Key West. And that was about only 2,500 miles, but still a grueling race because they were newer bikes. So we went further each day, which made it harder. So the the class was what, 1930 to 1938, right? I think that's what you told me. 30 to 48. Oh, 48, okay. In all models. I mean, it could be a single cylinder, dual cylinder, a four cylinder. And it, it, depending on what type of engine you had, that determined the class that you rode in. Okay. Now, your buddies that are there with you, why don't you go ahead and introduce those guys real quick? Well, I'd like to introduce Mr. Mark Hill, who's the, you know, one of the grandfathers of the four cylinder club. He is really into Henderson's, Indians, anything that's, that's a four cylinder. It's, it's like a, you know, the, the premier engine of of its age. And then he has his son here with us, Loring Hill, who rode both in 2018 and this year in 2019 on Henderson motorcycles, old Henderson. So it's, it's pretty unique that we have the age. You know, I'm like 67, Mark's in his 50s, Loring's in his 20s. Oh, wow. And they're all riding these old bikes. That is cool. That is cool. Lauren, what was it like for you to ride a vintage bike? So I grew up around a lot of vintage motorcycles, so I was sort of used to the whole theme of riding them. But as soon as you set out on a trip, you know, that's 2,500 to 4,000 miles, you shortly learn that you know very little about the machine. You know very little about your abilities, and you know very little about what's going to (laughs) happen. Okay. You learn those things, and, you know, you sort of become – you know, used to them and adapt to uh, positions and situations that you're placed in and uh, learn the right way to deal with them. And uh, so I was really lucky. I had some experience on the 2018 Cannonball 
that really sort of prepared me for the 2019 cross country chase. Now, are you a experienced motorcycle? I mean, out with uh, contemporary bikes by by uh, by background yeah, a little bit. Riding motorcycles from 1930 to present years, or about you know since I was 10 or 11 years old. So okay, for nine or 10 years. So I have a lot of motorcycle experience, but uh, we're all students and we learn something new every day. I don't care what your age is on these type of rides. You. You learn something new every day and i don't think there's anybody you know in our uh family of riders and even competitors and even enemies that would disagree with that <laughs> okay lauren where are you from what's uh you and your dad we're from upstate new york where uh eric was originally from before okay. he moved here to florida so we're we were the we were probably within about an hour of distance of uh of each other and so that's how we met we're sort of hanging out down at Eric's place in, in, in Daytona, Florida, just chilling out. So it's good to be here and good to take a little bit of time off. Well, now, if you hang around for another month or so, you could probably make it to the Barber Motorsports uh, event. Right. And then don't we have uh, – isn't there kind of like a uh, October cycle, a cycle motorcycle yeah, thing? Oktoberfest. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. that's the end of October, and the Barber thing is the beginning of October, I think. Okay. And, and actually, I rode in the Barber. Uh, they used to, they still have a thing called the century, the century race. You have to have a bike that's a hundred years old or older. Uh huh. And I rode in that in two thousand and seven. Okay. Now, um, Eric, tell now this year the rules were a little bit different in this chase thing. So ordinarily, like you said, you could have a support crew, support team with you, but in this particular event it was different so tell us a little bit how the rules were well this this one here was you're on your own there's no support crew there's no mechanic there's no uh, uh somebody to pick you up if you break down you're on your own if you don't get your bike going by the end of a certain time period you either get on the chase truck the pickup truck or you're uh you're out of the race okay so in your case i just happen to be going by so yep. me as an outsider, I could actually help you, but another team member or competitor was not allowed to. Is that the, my understanding? Well, there was a little bit of versatility there. I mean, the, the team members could help you, but most of them wouldn't because they want to get, you know, the same Oh, position. okay. Yeah. But, but you couldn't have a, a specific rider or mechanic or anybody involved with the, uh, the, the, you know, the original part of the race help you. So it was, you know, it was, it was up in the air. But it was difficult because it wasn't like the, the cannonball where you knew you had somebody hanging back there that could go, okay, I'll fix you. We'll get going. Uh -huh. You either made it or you didn't. So how I much think out, of seven, out of 73 riders that started the, the chase in this particular case where we started from Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, which, which most people never even heard of. Is that near Traverse um, City? It's way, way, way above Traverse City. Probably another 125 miles. Oh. Know, like the in front. <laughs> <laughs> so you're almost in canada basically yeah, you're right on the border are on the border yep. oh it is oh okay all right you can't go any further north without being canadian <laughs> you can't go any a <laughs> okay why exactly. don't you tell us about now is there a connection between uh henderson's and excelsior motorcycles was there a connection there there was okay and mark can explain that better than i can yeah mark go ahead tell us a little bit about your uh your 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 henderson and and the, and the connection there with excelsior bikes 
you got it. So actually it was a test question that Eric and I and Lauren had to take. We probably all missed it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had, this is the first year there were test questions. Yeah, you had to take this quiz too, which was, um, which was interesting. But the original uh, Henderson Company was formed in Detroit in 1912. And in 1917, uh, Schwinn swooped in, uh, the famous bicycle guy, Ignat Schwinn, and he purchased the, um, he purchased the Henderson Motorcycle Company and moved it from Detroit, and he merged it with his company, which was Excelsior. So it became Excelsior Henderson, and they produced those bikes there from 1918 to 1931 when the Great Depression hit. And Schwinn focused on bicycles, and he let big high-end motorcycles go to the wayside. So it was a really uh, interesting time, and uh, we ran a couple. We ran three 1930 Hendr- Excelsior Hendersons on the race. Had a really good result, and uh, you know, happy to be there and happy to have fun and ride old motorcycles across America. Pretty cool. Um, I, I was in a, <laughs> I was in a guy's shop, his private collection out in Phoenix, Arizona, and he had a 1913 Pierce motorcycle with, I okay. believe, a four-cylinder. So Eric and I's background. So Piercey Pierce was the the son of the um, famous Pierce Arrow uh, Motor Car Company that Al Capone had Pierce Arrows and. That's in Buffalo, New York, and the Henderson is legitimately inspired by the Pierce Motor uh, effort. It all stemmed from a, an original design in Belgium called the FN, which is Fabrique Nationale, which Eric actually had a beautiful FN um, a while back, and a fellow collector, a friend of ours, purchased it from Eric. And uh, But it was all designed, the American four-cylinder effort completely... Uh, falls behind the Pierce motorcycle horse owner completely. It's the great, great granddaddy of all of them. Interesting. So how long did Pierce exist? Um, Now, like you said, there's a connection there between Pierce and the automobile, but you mentioned Al Capone. So Al Capone, did he have an interest in, or did he just drive Pierce Arrows? He rode yeah, he had the you know he had the cars. Yeah. Yeah. So Pierce Arrow Company Piercy Pierce was like the son of the the Pierce Dynasty cars. Okay, Capone and all those you know famous movie stars and people like that had Pierce arrows. Okay, and uh, Piercy Pierce needed to do something, so he went to Europe and studied. On uh, he went to Fabrique Nationale, and his dad called him back and said, "Hey, you really ought to get back here and try to turn this into some form of a commercial effort." All this money I'm spending on you being in Europe, huh. and uh, he ultimately came up with a Pierce arrow motorcycle and they made single cylinders and they made four cylinders but the american four-cylinder effort william henderson uh was working in rochester new york for the red seal engine company and he was inspired completely by piercy pierce's efforts uh with the you know with the four-cylinder pierce motorcycle and that's really where the uh henderson motorcycle was spawned and you know ultimately uh Schwinn recognized a really great design and uh, he, you know, effectively funded it through uh, 1931. Okay. It was cool. They're all kind of interconnected. The uh, Pierce motorcycles, though, what was the time? How how long, their longevity, how long did they last from when to when, roughly? 1909 to 1913. Some people say there's some 1914s out there. I, um, you know, but 
they were really pretty amazing motorcycles for their time. They were shaft drive and had a clutch and they were pretty amazing. Um, they won some, you know, early distance riding, uh, events. Uh, the Pierce's, Pure American four cylinder collector, the Pierce is sort of the, the holy grail. Rolls Royce. Yeah, you is it really? Them. Yeah. No. no, you saw, you saw, the beginning if you, your collector friend or whoever you viewed that bike at um you know special. yeah you you saw something very special in the motorcycle world well alan i'm trying to think of alan's last name his name's alan he actually has a 1913 bugatti too and that's kind of how i met him and then he he says you really into this kind of stuff and i said i can truly appreciate it so he gave me right. a tour of his private collection but he actually competed in that motorcycle race with you a few years ago but i can't remember what he had for a motorcycle now i don't i don't know if he had that gentleman's name again i'm sorry his first name's alan i just can't remember his last name and alan. yeah and he was probably a great race uh competitor yes too. yes there's yes a lot of uh eric will tell you there's a lot of um the very first cannonball was extremely special because there were a lot of great race competitors that had showed up there too and yeah, but so, the, the original cannonball was in 19 19- what, oh, Cannonball Baker, yeah. Cannonball Baker yeah. rode an Indian all yeah. by himself across the country where there was no gas, no roads, shitty tires. Yeah. And he, he inspired this whole ride. Right. Okay. Now, what was the production run of the Pierce's, would you say? How many were made? Oh, I couldn't a tell few you. A few hundred. Yeah, a few hundred. Oh, yeah. really? So they're very, very, very rare. It was sometimes... You know, there's these endeavors that are more of an engineering um, prowess thing than a commercial success. Mm-hmm. And that's probably, I don't know, Eric, you think that's probably the best way to describe yeah. that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So now, um, when you guys are running these vintage bikes, for example, let's just go the the, the pre-1915 or whatever it was, like on the very first one. Yeah. How... Um, how hard is it to is is there in terms of parts availability, serviceability? You know, um, is there a lot of stuff available for these bikes yet? I mean, let's just say from a collector's perspective, it depends on the, it depends on the brand of bike. Like okay. if you had a Harley or an Indian, you had way more chance of finding parts that might be able to work. But if you had a Thor or a, or a uh, an Iver Johnson or a you know some bike that they only made a few hundred of, uh, Sears was one. Oh, really? Um, That's right. Yeah, Sears had a bike that, that they actually made a motor from a guy. He was a German guy, and he uh, his name was Spakey, and he made a V-twin. I mean, there were V-twins before Harley. You know, people think the first V-twin was a Harley in 1912 or 1909, but there were bikes. You know, Glenn Curtis made bikes in the, in the, in the early part of the century where he, he actually broke the land speed record in 1907 with a V-8 motor. So there were a lot of, you know, there's a lot of weird stuff out there, but the trouble is if you use an obscure model or, or brand name, then the yeah, chances yeah, of yeah. you finding the parts are almost impossible. Whereas if you had a Harley or an Indian, you probably could find something that would work. Okay. Now are these, these uh, cannonball races, are they limited to domestic bikes only or can European no, bikes no, participate? No, any, anything you want to try. Everybody, like the last one we just did, the chase of you, where you found me on the side of the road. <laughs> yeah. It was actually won by a 1930 Triumph, or I mean BSA Sloper, they call it, which like was like a half of a V-twin. The front cylinder goes on an angle, and there's no rear cylinder. Oh, that's interesting. So that's who won the race then? Guy, the young guy won it. It was a yeah, British motorcycle, and BSA stands for Birmingham Small Arms. And Eric mentioned Ivor Johnson. 
a lot of these early motorcycle manufacturers, you're going to laugh, but they either came from gun manufacturers or sewing machine manufacturers. These were incredibly industrious people that had these innovative ideas. And so we think of Indian motorcycles or Harley Davidson or Excelsior Henderson as kind of the big three in America, but there were all these other like crazy innovative brands. And of course, you know, the Europeans, everybody in America at this time was sort of a first generation immigrant, had all these great engineering ideas. And uh, that was what was so special, in my opinion, about the very first Cannonball in 2010 is just the, uh, for lack of a better word, the cornucopia of different brands because it was pre-1915. And, you know, what people don't realize in 1915, Harley-Davidson was just another brand that was just trying to scratch out a living against, you know, potentially, you know, legitimately 400, or pardon me, 200 other competitors. At one time, there were 200 other motorcycle manufacturers in the United States. So they were, they weren't known as the dynasty that they are now. They were just known as another competitor. It's you, really amazing. Um, Eric mentioned, or maybe you did, Mark, you, you talked a little bit about Curtis. When I think Curtis, you know, obviously I think of the race car, but I think a little earlier, Curtis, didn't they have something to do with airplanes and stuff like that too? So was there an aeronautical Curtis, connection? Yeah. If it wasn't for Curtis, there never would have been Wright Brothers. Yeah. They never would have flown from Kitty Hawk. Really? The guy that invented the motor. Okay, because you know, it's funny you mentioned Kitty Hawk because the it, when you when you go to when you go to Ormond Beach, Florida, right? There's a uh, there's a statue for the you know the, the birthplace of speed, and it's a it's actually a race car, but it should be Curtis on a on a V8 motorcycle. It should truly be Glenn Curtis. Yes, he was yeah. he was the granddaddy of everybody. Okay, now again, so but he was the one so. When when you talk about the early V twins and stuff, so what are some of the examples of of other motorcycles that, that were V twin before Harley? Well, you're in. All right. So Eric says I'm in. You're so on. I'm in Flying Merkel, Ivor Johnson, Pope, Thor, Reading uh, Standard. Standard. It goes on and on and wow. on. Emblem, Celsius Emblem. Yeah, there was over 200 motorcycle manufacturers or engine manufacturers prior to in 1930. Yeah. And after the Depression in 1930, all you had left was Indian, Harley, and Henderson. Yeah. Everybody else was out of business. Yeah. The, the, you know, these were the true um, commercial efforts, if yeah. you were. That, that These were run by sharp businessmen, as well as they had great engineering prowess. That's why, that's why uh, Schwinn shut down the production of Henderson in 1931, because the Depression had taken all the market. It was, you know, uh, Henry Ford invented the Model T, and it was cheaper to drive a Model T than a, any kind of a, of a uh, motorcycle. Yeah, interesting. And in terms of reliability, let's just say between the Henderson, the Harley, and the Indian, uh, your take on it? Because you guys are, you know, you're into those vintage bikes. So if you had to uh, kind of break it down a little bit, yeah. how, what would that be? Yeah. It's a hard question to answer because you know there's a certain amount of bias involved. You know, I'm a I'm a Harley guy. Uh, I love Henderson's. I've had a few, but you know, it's hard to answer that question, but they're all pretty dependable. I mean, they, they were, that's why they kept going. That's why they're stayed in business. Those, those three manufacturers, Excelsior, Henderson, Harley Davidson, and, uh, Indian, those were true hardcore engineering companies. And they were, the, you know, they were literally, they were the big three, you know, they, they really were, 
Reading Standard, I think Eric was probably one of the last ones to bow out. Yep. So Reading Standard and Reading, Pennsylvania really straggled on. And I think they made bikes up until like 1927. And they were a hardcore engineered um, endeavor also. One of the interesting facts is about when the Depression hit, Ignaz Schwinn had started out life in America as a poor German boy immigrant and soldered bicycle frames together. And so what was really interesting is, is that he had friends in high places. He was very successful. His son had no interest in motorcycles. He was a bicycle guy. But Harley-Davidson and Indian motorcycles were losing money on the machines they made in 1929. And Schwinn was making money. He had all these big, fat government contracts and everything. The dealers literally sued him. He had a class action lawsuit for walking into a boardroom and saying, gentlemen, today we stop. So it's really kind of an interesting perspective on all of it. And, uh, you know, we're just lucky to <laughs> lucky to have this conversation, and we're lucky to be involved in these great old machines. That's uh, And I appreciate you guys coming on the air. That's great. Um, a question. And, okay, so we know that the, the Harley-Davids, for example, you know, um, and I'm just going to go from the late 20s. So we had the flathead, then we went to the knucklehead, then you went to a panhead, then you went to the shovel, uh, and ultimately the Evo and so on, what we have today. Did Henderson and uh, Indian, did they kind of evolve the same way? I mean, you know, because, you know, a lot of people don't realize that Henderson's, like you said, they have a single cylinder and a four cylinder. And I think Indian did the same thing too. Did they have a, like a um, two engine and four, or a two cylinder and a four cylinder? Yes. Setup? Yes, they did. Okay, so did they evolve this, the same way? And then, I mean... Uh, well, they, didn't be, they didn't because, as Mark was talking about, in 31, Ignaz Schwinn walked into the boardroom and said, we're not going to make motorcycles anymore, we're just going to make bicycles, which was act, you know, a brilliant idea because they didn't go out of business like everybody else. Oh, okay, so the last Henderson then was produced, was the 1931 then? Correct, correct. Oh, okay. And, and, and Indian only lasted until 53, yeah. Okay, and then and then uh, uh, Harley was the last company that really existed until just recently. You know, you know the only American-made company making bicycles or uh, motorcycles was Harley until the Indian company got repurchased and and by uh, uh, Polaris, and now Polaris is reinventing the inter the uh, Indian, and they're they're really kicking ass in the uh, racing field. Are they really? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It used to be uh, you couldn't beat a Harley in a flat track, and now Harley is is not really doing well. Interesting, interesting. Um, the design of the of the modern day Indian is it like a, uh, a an aftermarket outsourced engine comparable to a Harley, like S and S or something like that, or what's the basis of the motor? I used to work for Corporate Polaris. Oh really? <laughs> Corporate Polaris owns a company called Swiss Auto, and they also manufacture everything in the United States in um, Medina, Minnesota and in Wyoming, Minnesota, uh, Wyoming, oh, Wyoming, Minnesota, they have a research and development facility. Um, all the Indians are, co you know, co-designed. They have their own engine plant in Wisconsin. Can't think of the name of the town of that right now. I've been there. I haven't worked for a corporate Indian or corporate Polaris, or at the time, I'm sure you've heard of Victory Motorcycles. Yes, yes. The Victory Motorcycle effectively morphed into Indian. Okay. And it, it's an amazing brand, and it, we're lucky. We're living in the good old days. You know, I mean, 
we're living in a time where there's a legitimate American competitor to Harley Davidson. And it's the best thing that ever happened. Yeah. It, it really is because competition improves the breed. Okay. Oh, and yes. so when you're out there and you see a brand new Indian motorcycle dealership and you see whatever, there's really good things going on. And, and these companies are these iconic American brands, Harley Davidson and Indian are doing what they need to do to reinvent themselves right now to attract a new market like my son, who's 21 years old. And so what we're seeing is this renaissance in American manufacturing, both with Harley-Davidson and Indian. And it really is the best thing that, that could happen because, you know, if you want to call it the millennial market or, you, or, you know, Generation Y, whatever you want to call it, you know, we need to pass this on. So when guys like Eric and myself get out there, and we get a chance to ride across the country, spare some time, you know, spend some time with your friends, or even better, spend some time with your son. Wow. We're pretty privileged in America, and it, it's a good thing. And you know, now we have these two legitimate brands of American motorcycles going head to head. And what you just witnessed with the Cannonball Chase is it's sort of an ancient arms race, you know, just, you know, it's like, okay. you've got these guys out there. Like and jousting. Yeah, it is. It's unbelievable, you know? And so everybody's really proud of their bikes and they want to do well. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the same thing that's taking place right now on American flat tracks. You have Indian versus Harley Davidson. Indian currently has the upper hand, but, you know, technology will drive it. And I'm sure Harley Davidson will come back, you know, with both barrels. They have to because it's you know their bloodline. That's they what they did. Have Always been that. a rivalry. Yeah, okay. we're watching. You know, we live in good times if you're a motorcycles. Well, hey, I want to thank you guys for coming on the show. We're just about up against the clock, and uh, I got maybe 25, 30 seconds. What's next for you guys, real quick? Can you do that in thirty seconds? Gosh, we got to go home. I don't know about Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go home. Go to work. Next year, there's a 2020 Cannonball, which is a much bigger event than this one this was like a half as many miles but what i want to say is before we go any further i want to thank you so much for stopping at the side of the road and helping some poor guy who was stuck and you really did help me man thank you well thank you i enjoyed it and uh best of luck to you guys and uh you know what let's stay in touch and then uh maybe i'll see you at one of yeah. the Biketoberfests or something like that or maybe at barber Absolutely. or something like that well, I and, live in Daytona. I'll be at the Biketoberfest for sure. Okay. Well, and there's actually a big there's a big event going at the Streamline Hotel, which is a new renovated original NASCAR hotel in in downtown Daytona Beach that is going to host a big event, which includes these bikes and many, many, many other types of motorcycles. So when and when's that? That's going to be like on uh, Friday, whatever day that is in, in Biketoberfest. Okay. Uh, Super. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Eric, Mark, and uh, and Lauren, 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 right? Lauren. Lauren. Okay. Anyway, I want to thank you guys for coming on. Wish you guys the best of luck, and we'll see some of the uh, motorcycle events in the future, and maybe even writing in, and maybe even writing in the history, right? Yes, sir. Hope so. Okay. All, All right. right. Hey, guys. Take care. Thank you very much for coming on the show this evening, and good luck to you. Ta ta. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that's uh, that about wraps it up here. Uh, um, just uh, you know, cool guys. I mean, you know, talking a little bit about uh, the early days of of uh, you know motorcycle and and technology and evolution. Um, I had no idea it was two hundred manufacturers. 
um, just shortly during the turn of the century there. And, you know, the the big industrial age of America, you know, when everybody was uh, innovative and worked together and collaborated. And, you know, when made in America meant something. And, uh, and I think it's kind of inspiring to hear that uh, Indians back on uh, on track on the flat track as well. And uh, competing with Harlow Davidson, and uh, that's kind of cool too. So, anyway, hey, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't forget to tell your friends to tune in every Tuesday night here on the Tam Talk Radio Network between 7 and 8 p.m. for some of the most fascinating legendary names in motorsport, motorsports, music, cars, motorcycles, eventually boats. Don't forget, we got the Superboat races, uh, Hooters, Clearwater Superboat Nationals next week. So, in the meantime, everybody stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. I found an island in your arms, country in your eyes. Arms and chains, eyes and line. Bring on through to the other side. Bring on through to the other side. Bring on through out. Oh, yeah! Way to sleep, we go weak, day to day. Out of house, pretty straight, deep and wide. Bring on through to the other side. Bring on through to the other side.